No, I didn't like it because people are always calling me, Anthony, can you go to the grocery store and buy me this? Anthony, people? Can you- people? 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 By people, you, you mean... You mean your wife. Hello, I am your host, Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Combinations and Permutations, episode 26. In this week's episode, we delve into the world of the naked running man named Archimedes and talk about how he may be an evil genius and discuss whether or not he left us any math problems to solve. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Combinations and Permutations, the mathematical podcast that comes to you from a secret location in the Las Vegas Valley. Here with me today, I have two returning guests. I I promise one of these uh, episodes I'll get some new blood, and by new blood I mean much, much, much better blood. Um, Thank you. Here with me today, and those two guests are with no fanfare whatsoever, Anthony Solari and Nathan Rowe. Yay. I'm wondering, is this See, how's that? That's fanfare. Anywhere near Area 51? No. No. Y- you're in it <clears throat> with me right now. Oh, really? Yeah, we're not oh. near Groom Lake. <laughs> oh. The good news is, at this secret location, we <clears throat> can have tap dancing parties without getting the police call on us for at least the next couple of, you know, hours. Uh, no, I think, <laughs> I think probably a little <laughs> bit longer than that. Yeah. yeah downstairs people moved out yes they did and you still need to talk more into your mic so that our fantastic amazing listeners who if they have any feedback should email us at combinations and permutations at gmail.com hint hint um can actually hear your dulcet tones i think that 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 was a an apostrophe within an apostrophe within an apostrophe within a statement so, congratulations on losing everyone. <laughs> uh, by apostrophe, do you mean parentheses because, uh, or yeah. commas, or semicolons, yeah, no, I mean, or colons? Like, it's like if because you could, apostrophe was, is definitely not the right no, punctuation no, no, no. Okay, mark. Okay, so, so I'm not, I'm not, it's, what is it Maybe called? Okay, damn it, it's not apostrophe, it's... A comma? Semicolon? No, what's the, a positive? No, what's that... You know, the unnecessary like side statement within a sentence has has a name as a grammatical structure, not as not as parenthetical remark. No. Okay. Well, anyway, let's just let's just say anyway. there were like nested parentheses <laughs> in one spoken sentence. <laughs> so, yes, uh, yes, there were, and I am quite proud of that fact. Um, now, if, before if we, we're going to talk about recur, I don't know what we're going to talk about, but if we're going to talk about recursion, I just had a perfect lead in. But we're not. Uh, 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 but before we actually get to the topic, I do, <laughs> do want to let all of our podcast listeners know something, and that is there is now a second podcast in uh, this family of mathematical podcasts that we have here, and that podcast is called Strongly Connected Components. You can find it at sccmathpodcast.blogspot.com. You can kind of get a bit of our naming nomenclature here. And it's one where I uh, 
call up and interview mathematicians. So everybody who listens to this, I think that you would very much enjoy Strongly Connected Components. I suggest you go check it out. I'm sure I'll plug it for the next 30 shows. And so you'll get very tired of hearing about it. But now we'll just get into What do you want, Anthony? I'm just wondering if this particular show is connected in any way to any of its components. It has. Oh, is this show this, connected this to one's its components? Yeah. What are the components of this show? Well, we have a main topic, which we never talk about. <laughs> <laughs> and we make it really hard for Sam to get to. Yeah, you, this is the <laughs> longest we've gone without even mentioning Our 15. Topic. Are we at 15 minutes? No, no, that was all the preliminary Oh, yeah, yeah, well, getting the mic set up. No, okay. trust, trust me, we've, uh, we've definitely taken longer than this. Before you announce the topic? I think, so. I think the, uh, the math barbecue, the math, uh, uh, the math club... Is it Math Club? The Math Club barbecue, the episode Ish. we recorded after that. Oh, with oh. the... that Yeah. Yeah, I think that one took a while before we got anywhere yeah, near Yeah, well, you had Aaron and... Uh, Jeff, Jeff. And you. And me, but... And Chris. Chris yeah, okay. It might, it might have. For taking you off topic. And But it used to be that I was the one who would take us off topic. When did we switch this? I guess we could. It just seems so much do fun some to research. Go off the rabbit trail. <laughs> rabbit trail? No, you go down the rabbit hole. And off the beaten rabbit. Path. Off, the off the beaten path. rabbit head. We're not beating rabbits. Oh my god, we're gonna get a call from Peta now. <laughs> so no. I'm I'm gonna okay, anyway. I'm gonna introduce the topic because I want to. Yeah, see it's mm. you. And I'm going to introduce it by giving a quote in Latin and now making you guys guess who said it on the occasion of his death. Noli turbare circulos mios. What was that second word? Uh, turbare. Hmm. Nole turbale. Nole turbale. Or noli terbale circulos mios. Well, what's mios? I'm guessing me. Yeah, yeah, okay. Noli? I'm guessing no. Uh, no, no, don't. You know, don't. That, that kind of idea. Okay. Divide uh, by zero? No. <laughs> Shit. Don't oh, divide that was me loud. by zero? No. Uh, terbare? Turbulent? Chaotic, uh, you know that kind of idea. Uh, perturb, disturb. Oh, oh, okay. But you know, you, you got the, you got that. And uh, circulos. Is it squares? I'm gonna punch him in the face. <laughs> what is it? So we're changing. We're moving squares around. So, but don't square don't me. Disturb. Don't disturb the cir- my circle. Circles. On the occasion of his death. This, this is, of course, apocryphal. There's no proof that this man actually said it, but it is attributed to him. Who don't has disturb. something to do with circles? Well, don't disturb my circles. He happened to be working on something, dealing with circles at the occasion of his death. Uh, in Syracuse. California? Syracuse uh, Cir- <laughs> should be incredibly helpful. About California? Uh, 212 BC. So California. Um, during the oh, <laughs> different Syracuse. I'm so thinking California. <laughs> uh, during uh, the Second <laughs> Punic War. Archimedes. Oh, thank, thank you, you, Nathan. I got the date 
was about all I needed, I guess. <laughs> if you had said, just, someone was... said something in 212 BC, <laughs> I'd be like, shit, I think Archimedes yeah, was I, about to gotta, die. That's so. like the only guy yeah. we know. He was like the well, last he's of, also he was, the he's only guy we know from Syracuse. Yeah. I didn't know he was from, I, listen, I didn't, thought that he was from Greece, not California. I hate you. Okay, so... I, I was having trouble getting my mind around that, too. So, I, I always promised that we would cover Archimedes, because Nathan likes to talk about him so much. I don't I think know he has what a, I'm going to say, though. Like, I think I he has a bit of a man crush. Well, I'm not ashamed of that. I mean, have you... Have you do you know what he, this guy did? Well, I mean, anybody whose tomb has a sculpture illustrating his favorite proof, which is the sphere in, inside the cylinder... Mm. When when your tomb has that on it, a sphere inside a cylinder. Uh, can a sphere and a cylinder of the same height and diameter? Oh, it's something to do with that. I don't know. I don't know anything about the fucking geometric proofs of volume. Sphere and a cylinder. Um, yeah, oh, did he it? prove the volume of a sphere is something by using a cylinder? I think so. Because I, I mean, oh, the, I could see that you can inscribe a sphere inside of a cylinder of a certain shape. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, anybody want to tell me some <laughs> things about Archimedes here? Uh, he apparently didn't want people messing with his circles. Well, uh, it, you know the you know the apocryphal story of his death, right? No, actually. No, see, this we haven't heard. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Which uh, is this... why your original clue didn't help us at all. Yeah. <sighs> see, I, I had actually heard of this one. This is, this is one that I've heard before. Oh. I think I may have actually heard it on the How Stuff Works uh, podcast. Well, no, How History Works podcast when they were talking oh, about yeah. Archimedes' death ray. Uh, but no, the story I... of the death, he was, there was a long siege of Syracuse. It was a really, really long siege. Uh by the, boat, the general, or well, by land, both. It, it would have. I mean, it would have had to be both, but I think it would be mostly boat because Syracuse is. Hmm. I don't really know. There, where I, it is. it's I, in Greece, and Greece has so much, ta- so much yeah, coastland. The only it's thing I had heard is he had gotten killed by a soldier. I didn't. Well, really I, said anything. there was the Roman forces were trying to take it over. General uh, Marcus Marcellus. Hmm. Uh, There's a two-year-long siege, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Marcellus had informed them uh, that they were not to kill Archimedes mm. under any circumstances. <laughs> you are not to kill Archimedes. Do you know how much because greater the Roman Empire could have been if they captured? captured I mean, if he Archimedes, was willing to. Yeah. Archimedes was famous. He's mm-hmm. the greatest I mean, engineer of like up until modern times. You know, up yeah. until the Renaissance. Yeah, so and he, and he if was. They kept him alive. He could have made some amazing. He was he was famous and that and uh, well, uh, what happened is uh, you know they captured Syracuse. And, you know there's fighting and everything in Syracuse, and a uh, soldier went to where he was and commanded him to come with him. Mm-hmm. So the problem was is that uh, Archimedes was working on a proof. Oh. <laughs> And uh, I, the you know, essentially, there's many things, but essentially, he said no, mm-hmm. uh, and don't disturb me. <laughs> I'm doing something Some more important right mm-hmm. now. You know, the entire place is getting you know, uh, you know, 
fireballs and shit are getting catapulted yeah. through things and you know there's flaming arrows going all around and Archimedes is in his room mm, working on a proof working on a proof apparently dealing with circles and so the uh, soldier got pissed off and uh, ran him through oh <laughs> Uh, wow! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Proof, proof I didn't that, that part. Yeah, <laughs> proof, proof that the Roman Empire was so much better than than the Greek one. Well, I mean, it's however yeah, I mean, short lived, I guess. It, it, mm. I don't know if Archimedes was part of the Greek. No, I mean, he was, was he part was, of Syracuse. He was post. He was a, uh, you know, post all that. I I would say, but um, I, I mean, you read Cryptonomicon. Yes, they t- of course. You talk about the distinction between two nations or Ares worshippers and Athena worshippers. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was a clear, like, Romans worship Ares type mm. of moment yeah. right there. Uh, except they didn't worship Ares. They, they worship, worship Mars. Mars, as opposed to... Details, details. I don't remember the... See, <sighs> Athena just wasn't important in Roman mythology, so you don't even know her name. It's, it's proof right there. Mm. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, that's a good book. You guys should read it so you'll have a clue what we were talking about. <laughs> okay, so uh, Archimedes was a mathematician, a physicist, an engineer, an inventor, an astronomer, a picture pisser offer of Roman soldiers. Picture, picture Da Vinci, possibly but back the in uh, first days. evil genius. Come up with uh, massive ways of killing huge amounts of people quickly. I mean, that's, of course, apocryphal, and uh, there's pretty good evidence that the death ray could not have actually, actually been, been constructed in the way he would have constructed it. But I, I, it's because I mentioned a few podcasts ago something about Mythbusters busting that, except I had forgotten about when the, they allowed... The light ray burning the ships. Yeah, the light ray burning the ships, but I had forgotten when they had allowed uh, fans of the show to also do something, and somebody had come up with something that actually did start something on fire. Mm. I mean, it wasn't nearly to the power that yeah. the death ray was supposed to be. Well, all you had to do was start the ship on fire. You don't have to <laughs> incinerate it immediately. Yeah. As long as it burns, it burns. Yeah. I mean, the legend said he caught the sails on fire, I guess. Yeah, I can't remember specifically. I'm sure we'll get to it as yeah. I go through the Wikipedia article uh, for to, this. Yeah, the sails go down. Ship can't move much after that. Yeah, it's not <laughs> that you're gonna like what row ashore. Yeah, you can do it. But. I guess yeah, uh, they could. Yeah, well, uh, the especially if they were dealing with the Romans, the Romans did tend to keep slave labor in the rowing areas of their boats. Yeah, but so. I think I just think your overall speed would be decreased, which gives the other well, team yes, a of course, advantage. Yeah, but uh, there was no evidence that it was ever planned that the death ray would be mounted on another ship. I believe the death ray was supposed to be mounted on land. Yeah. So, so mostly uh, you want to start the actual mm. boat on fire. Well, if they attack the city. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, now the most famous thing that Archimedes did was what? According to Nathan Calculus. Okay, no, 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 famous thing. Actually, famous. I the think. Archimedes principle says that between any two numbers, there's another number, right? And he talked about the denseness Most of the real Most famous water. thing. Yeah, oh, there the you buoyancy. go. The buoy- no, density. Try, trying to figure out whether the king's crown was really made of gold or yeah. not. 
Oh, oh, equal volumes displace equal amounts of water or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's most famous for Nathan. Yeah, and he's, he could he run screams, the yeah, screams, like Eureka, jumps out of the bathtub once <laughs> a little bit splashes over the side, screams Eureka and runs naked through the town. Yeah, and, and <laughs> how much you wanted to do that. I, That's what I remember. <laughs> I, I can't imagine nothing more wonderful than me running naked through the town for reason <laughs> for reasons that will remain unknown to our podcast audience sense. that story of or nathan's love of that idea is so much scarier to me now than it was when we first recorded that yeah the fact that he's still like the fact that he thought of it originally is just one thing you know the, the idea yeah but to but you, given other just, things other things that have you know moved uh, around a bit i'm really scared of that you know <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> oh, okay. And this has to do with our secret location. Oh, thank you. You oh, know, you're, nobody's going to be able to figure that out now. I think they. Hey, I'm the dumb one. The wouldn't have. I. Nothing. Okay, so Nothing. and <laughs> so basically, the the story of the figuring out uh, displacement of water idea was that Archimedes sat in the bath, right? Mm. Which, Watch the water rise. Yeah, and every mm -hmm. time, every time you. Is sit in a bath, which is not something that many people seem to do anymore. From time to time. Yeah, I mean, a, a nice mm -hmm. bath, you know, a nice Especially book. if you have bath salts or whatever, maybe, and you can, get the, you can get the, you know, aromatherapy maybe going. One of, maybe one of Archimedes' books or, you know, one of his papers, you know, sit down with that in the bath, you know. Peer-reviewed journal papers. <laughs> <laughs> and so he sat down and he saw the water rise, as we all have when we've sat down and he You're was smart like, enough oh my to God, realize. Is it gonna hit the edge? Ah! Smart enough to realize that the same volume of water, or the water, was rising in accordance with his volume. Mm. And right, it seems. I mean, it seems so obvious now. I mean, I realize that it, it was a new idea, but I mean, it's not. It's not the thing that I think he should be most well noted no, for. No, but it. But it's an incredibly important result, right. and mm -hmm. it is also an incredibly famous story. Plus, it's something most people can understand. Yeah, and it, I it like, is. I like the density of numbers. Well, we're we're <laughs> gonna get we're gonna get to the math a little bit later. We're gonna work through some of through his more well known things, because mm. while he's while he is considered to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest, mathematician of that era. Um, and probably the greatest, I, I, especially when we start covering some of the things he did that we didn't realize until recently, it will become quite clear that he was beyond anybody at the time. But, I mean, there are other things such as the Archimedes screw. The, the, I mean, it was uh, for in ships. Is that like... Oh, no. no, never mind. I was about no, to no, no, make no, a no, sexual no. joke of some sort. No, it, was, it was in ships. You, either of you guys know what it is? Is that the thing that... They used to get the water out. Yeah, it was it was used yeah. to raise water. Oh, they still yeah. use those. Well, well they, they don't use those in ships so much anymore. But turbines. They, yeah, they do still use them. I believe on Wikipedia it said that they still use them uh, to move like coal. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You that. see that in mines yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I mean, this he invented something in. Let's see, uh, BCE counts down. So he invented mm -hmm. something in the you know. 200s yeah. BCE that yeah. is still to this day getting used. Mm. And and there's not many better options. Yeah, I, I, yeah. exactly. I mean, <laughs> you just... 
you know, it's, I mean, that's quite amazing. I mean, he came up with a way of, and he did it to clear water mm-hmm. out of, mm-hmm. and also for watering gardens, I think. Think about you know, oh, yeah. who invented, water up. yeah, you bring the water up to a yeah. pipe, the pipe goes yeah. down to the garden. But think yeah. about who invented the cup or the spoon. Well, obviously, since this is the Archimedes screw, uh, the man who invented the cup is very well known because apparently his name was Mr. Cup. Well, yeah, that could be. Yeah. Mr. Spoon, Mr. Fork. Yeah, exactly. I think that we call it the I Archimedes think we just screw because we have screws that weren't named after Archimedes. <laughs> we just say that this one's kind of like a screw. And so his name isn't even attached to it at all, really. It's just like a special type of screw. Okay, so the claw of Archimedes <laughs> is another awesome weapon that he uh, possibly created. That actually sounds cool. Or at least he <laughs> it's a weapon he's said to have designed. And uh, somebody... Picture from, Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, somebody it's tested the feasibility in a television documentary called Super Weapons of the Ancient World. And essentially it was a crane-like arm with a huge metal grappling hook that was dropped onto an sh- attacking ship. Uh, the arm would swing upwards, lifting the ship out of the water. You'd have to have. You'd have, you'd to, have, have, to, have, have to have a massive big, ship, big or ship. or is it planted? No, on No, no, no. It was planted on the earth. Okay. Oh, okay. It's to defend the city. What? Why lift the really ship close. out of the water? Well, why you, not you just drop down. You lift the ship out of the water, and then you drop it. It seems like you could eat more easily just drop the arm on the ship and cut the ship in half if it's strong enough to lift the damn ship. No, but this had a grappling hook on it. It's, it's, you had the weight on the other side to lift it. Oh, okay. I can, so all right, I'm like seeing it. So you grapple. Does it have to actually be under it, or could you fling out the grappling hook? I think you kind of fling out the grappling hook. You, you kind of like yeah. drop the hook onto the ship. Onto the ship. And then, you know, the hook's probably also quite heavy, and so it goes all the way down through it, and then you lift it up, kind of ripping apart the oh. ship as you lift it. it. Sounds really hard to use. It sounds awesome is what it sounds like. Yeah, that... Can you imagine everybody else, they just have, you know, cannons. Or no, they don't even have cannons. No, they have, they have cannons. Uh, catapults and, yeah. uh, you know, large arrows, bows for arrows. Yeah, and they got basic ballistics, and here somebody comes up and lifts their fucking ship right out of the water. That sounds like it'd actually be useful in an industrial setting more than a weapon. <laughs> he in, he invented the modern the modern crane digger or something. Yeah, I always really did like those crane diggers, though. Those crane diggers were yeah. so much fun. Oh, oh, at like I've, parks and whatever, yeah. where there's the two levers. Yeah, yeah, the one, two levers, and you can, one, and you can spin. Yeah. Oh, is this a toy one? You you never played with that thing? No, no it's, on, it's, on a, it's on a rotating seat or whatever. And, and it's always levers. by some sand. You got to like dig up sand. It was. I mean, no, it was. I didn't get to. Oh man, yeah, the the levers. One of them. One of them. Like co- closes three joints to to like do a digging motion. Yeah. And the other one lifts a big arm up and then back down so that you can push it into the into the earth and then. And then pick up some dirt and then lift out and turn because you're on oh, a swivel chair yeah. and then drop it somewhere else. And I've played. I'm with sorry, a, I was I was a, gesturing very intensely. <laughs> oh. Okay, uh, I've played with a real life sized one, not the toy one. Though. So, I uh, really, yeah, just once or twice. Oh, that's once, awesome. I, yeah, uh, I would. So, <laughs> so Archimedes I, uh, invented some other things, and obviously from the uh, description of the uh, ship shaker or the claw. Uh, 
he understood oh, levers. No. Yeah, right. he understood levers right. quite well, and he was also the first person to write a rigorous explanation of the workings of levers. Okay, that so doesn't surprise me at all. So mm. the, there's his mechanical engineer coming out, uh, and also yeah, he was the one who tried to. Archimedes could have overseen the building of the pyramids. Um, which I'm sure that they understood levers and pulleys very well to be able to do that. So, um, but Archimedes definitely did as well, and apparently he showed it rigorously. So, uh, cool. and apparently he also uh, gave a description of a planetarium at one point. Like you're talking, uh, had written in a manuscript on the construction <laughs> of mechanisms. I it, it's. You're talking like seeing the stars in the sky or something, projecting the stars onto okay, a rounded uh, room? Here it is. Here's from Wikipedia. It's, uh, no, no, that's... Well, yeah, I guess that is a planetarium. After the capture of Syracuse in uh, 212 BC, uh, General Marcellus is said to have taken back to Rome two mechanisms used as aids in astronomy, which showed the motion of the sun, moon, and five planets. Cicero mentioned similar uh, mechanisms designed by... Uh, Thales of Miletus and uh, Udocius of Nidus. A dialogue says that Marcellus kept one of these devices as his personal loot, donated the other to the Temple of Virtue. Uh, mm -hmm. The mechanism was described um, in a bunch of Greek that I can't read, mm. uh, which, you know, or actually, no, it's Latin because it was Roman description. But yeah. so apparently he, I mean, he, he designed things that. I'm I'm picturing like um, clockwork where there's a second yeah. hand and a minute hand. So you you turn one wheel and you watch Mercury go at one speed. Yeah, that's what I'm imagining. Like that, because that would be freaking kick ass. I I'm thinking that it was probably something quite like that. Uh, they uh, probably didn't know about Mercury, so it was probably Venus, it, Earth, Moon, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn would be my uh, guess. Use differential gearing. Yeah, then that's yeah, exactly yeah, that's, what he did. That's what he did. Yeah. If he had differential gearing, Antikythera yeah, that's mechanism. freaking awesome. Um, but I guarantee they were in circles, not ellipses. He hadn't figured that out. <laughs> okay, so now that we've talked about all this cool stuff, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about the math. Yay! Yay! So, <laughs> so Archimedes did a lot of math, and we have talked about Archimedes doing math a lot. And so a lot of this is going to be repeated information, mm. but it is it is quite good. Uh, one thing that he did that is uh, quite awesome is that the, now this is this of course is a callback to a much previous episode. He wrote something called the Sand Reckoner, which sadly. <laughs> Sadly, is not a calculator. <laughs> when I saw the name, I'm like, please let this just be an early version of the stepped reckoner. Because <laughs> as we'll talk about in a little bit, he did do other things that were very similar to Leibniz. He he wrote. You're saying is this where he's counting yeah, the sand? Yeah, he wrote. He wrote the... sand. Uh, okay. something called the sand reckoner, where he set out to calculate the number of grains of sand that the universe could contain. Yeah, I don't know what I he, thought he used. was just trying to. Uh... Show he, off his useful notation. Yeah, he was trying to show off this this notation he invented w with which he could describe these massively large numbers, uh, which is still yeah. pretty cool because I mean, he counted up to to I mean to ten to the sixtieth or something like that. Very very close. Uh, 
he concluded the number of grains of sand required to fill the universe would be eight vigintillion, which is eight times ten to the sixty-third. Ah, I knew it. I was, uh, I was close. I'm, I'm proud of myself. Oh, you should be. I, I had no idea. <laughs> now, yeah, I don't know what he yeah, used. Like, what did he assume were the bounds of the universe? You know, like, I, well, essentially, he <laughs> was, he was doing so to challenge that the number would be too large to be counted. Oh, okay. So his, yeah, he was claiming numerals, it's IV. You try to get over. Oh yeah, yeah. So. If you just keep writing M M M M M M, like it would, <laughs> it would take quite a while. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. So, but he invented he invented his own system so that he could sum up many many M's. I mean, they didn't have the Roman numerics, numer- but I, I imagine the Greeks worked pretty similar. You, did you that, did you ever learn to count to count in the old Greek? Greek? No. Well, yeah. yes, I'm not any good at it though. Okay. But was it was it similar where where it wasn't position based, it was just this symbol meant this much. So they only had so many symbols. Uh, I think how did they I did it by I'm not sure if I know of symbology yeah. in Greek. Yeah, I know that the Mayans had a position-based system so that they could count arbitrarily high without going too far out. You know, they were yeah. they're counting exponentially. Um, but I'd think that the Greeks had had, you know, they could only count linear, you know, there was a highest symbol and then to count higher than that they'd have to repeat it. Mm. Uh, yeah. I'm curious. I, that brings up an interesting question. Is there a number so big that we can't actually count it? There no. is. Huh? Yes, I can no. give you the proof. Uh, a number, like a finite number, so big that it, you can't actually count it. No. No, there, there is no natural number. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. Yeah, there... Well, I'm there not talking about mathematical. I'm just saying, is there a, such a big number that we can't express it? No. No, because here's why. Oh, no, actually, yes. Because I'm thinking there's physical limitations Technically, there is. There are physical limitations. If it's a number that would take uh, more uh, like electrons in order to represent it in like binary or like uh, in using bits, mm-hmm. then we have you know matter in the universe. Yeah. Technically, there would be an upper bound if there is an upper bound on the amount of matter mm-hmm. in the universe. Yeah, and, but, but it wouldn't be... just be it wouldn't just be more bits counting in binary. You would have to it would have to be the largest Turing machine output with the with the number of particles as well, the number was, of nodes in the machine. Well, I, w- I was talking be, about actually physically expressing it in yeah. some way. Well, yeah, but I writing mean, yeah, things in binary is very no, no, not not in by. Bi- I'm just I didn't mean in binary, no, but, but just. But hey. li- listen to this proof. Ready? Okay. If there is a number that cannot be written down then there is a smallest number that cannot be written down. As we were in the natural numbers, so there's a well-ordering. You can always take the least. Okay. And I just described it. We can now use that number as a symbol to talk about it, which is, which is but contradictory. That, but that can is... can we figure out which number that is? But that is assuming that there is one. Yeah, if there is one, then there is a least, which gives us a bunch of contradictions. You can get to... You can get... It, there's oh, it gives really. contradictions, and that's bad. It, it gives con- no. I mean, it proves that there is no there is no upper bound. Um, I mean, there 
there, there actually can't be any indescribable natural numbers. There can be indescribable real numbers, but not indescribable natural numbers. Well, well here, it's, here we're but at. it depends on, uh, yeah, no natural number is indescribable, but it might be physically impossible. Yeah, to be finitely well, describable in the physical world or something, there, that's a little bit different, but you can yeah. still take the least. Well, we're, here we're differing over what it means to describe that yeah, actual number. Yeah, that is true. I mean, just saying that there's a least one, and so that's it. We can call that one W or whatever. Well, it's, it was. I got into a weird mm. comment argument earlier today on the internet mm-hmm. about something like this. It was uh, somebody had written uh, or had a conversation with somebody. Essentially, said the person asked them because they were a mathematician, "What's the largest known prime number?" And the mathematician said, "I don't know." Mm. And yeah, uh, but nope. apparently they were a mathematician who uh, uh, apparently emphasized in number theory. Oh. Well, which, nobody knows what the largest known prime number is. I can tell you that it has uh, uh, actually, two thousand yes, digits. Or we something. do know. I actually just looked no, it up but, and but I meant typed it out at one point. Well, we said, it but out. but I mean I could print it off on a sheet of paper. Well, no, but you can it. you can describe it because the largest known one is a Mersenne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which so means it's, that it's very easily describable. Yeah, it's two yeah. to the to two the, to the you know two thousand and something plus one. Yeah, it's two to the some huge number. It's I think yeah I think this one is a plus one and not a minus one. I don't remember if it's plus or minus, but, but it, no. But the argument I got into, I mean this, I mean that's just the largest known is a Mersenne mm-hmm. right now, which means it is very easily describable. And somebody on there argued, uh, well, uh, made made an argument that in a couple of ways was right and a couple of ways was wrong. And the way it was wrong is that there really is no uh, upper bound on the largest possibly known prime number. If, if possibly there's, known? Well, no, I mean, if you know one, there is one larger than that that given enough time, computational time, oh, could you be could find. Well, yeah, there's an infinite number of primes. Yeah. But the argument, uh, but then somebody made the argument. I believe is the same person. Uh, was that no? This isn't the largest known prime number because there is another prime number that we know is out there. It's like no. When you say you know a prime number, when you're talking about the largest known number, largest known something, it's a number that has been explicitly written described. Down. Yeah, I mean you you actually know yeah precisely what number that is. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if how much, like, there are a lot of ways to describe a number other than just writing it out yeah, but we, in we binary have, or decimal. Well, we have no. Uh, well, that's what we're formula. Talking about. We have no formula for finding the next prime number. No, right, right. So, mm-hmm. so or actually finding the, prime numbers. I mean, with that one, general, with that one, yeah. it works. It's the largest number that has been proved to be prime. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so it's the and largest so known prime number. It is. It is the lar- Yeah. If, if you ma- if known means known to be, and known to be means has been proved to be. Yes. You know what I'm saying. So there's a there's a little bit of a semantic argument that that can needs just needs to be clarified, I guess. But um, yeah. But the question but, I was just asking is expressible in some sort of expansion. Like in Roman numerals and base ten well, notation. Have you got you guys like heard of tetration rather than exponentiation? Where like um, seven t- 
catch rated to with with five or something is seven to the parentheses, seven to the parentheses, seven to the parentheses, seven to the seven. Um, but the order of the parentheses is massively important. But anyway, like seven tetrated to the seven is probably oh. is probably it's probably got a trillion digits or something, and, and that's just with two tiny little numbers. So if you had a million tetrated to the million, that's a finite description of something that has that has more digits than particles in the universe, and the law lo- it's the logarithm of it has more digits than particle of the universe. You know what I'm saying? It's that yeah, big. Yeah, uh, I mean, so you can get something that you, it's expressible in explicit form. It's expressible that in you like, can't give binary, that you can't express in a binary format because there's well, cause it not has, enough particles. Yeah, no, I mean, I can very quickly write down uh, uh, the definition of tetration mm. and then write down a million tetrated with a million. And then I can probably show a proof that it has more digits than there are particles in the universe that, and do all then, of that on one piece of paper. known particles in the universe were okay, fine. Yeah. assuming that fine. a finite number of particles in the universe. I mean, that's going to get us into all kinds of issues. Let's get back to Archimedes, though. Oh. Uh, well, this was loosely related to Archimedes. No, it actually was wasn't just, in the least. I was well, just he, was trying try, he was trying to prove that his notation... <laughs> okay, And he did also... True. There's Any also a proof that he, like, he originally came up with these like with his limit ideas we still are not there yet we have one other thing before we start talking about that why do we have to go in some order because i have decided so yeah fine whatever the lord of this radio show has declared it's a podcast we're not on the radio fuck that podcast i wouldn't be able to say the shit that i do (laughs) do i sound like i'm on old time radio Oh my god! <laughs> uh, okay, so the thing that we're going to talk about a little bit before that um, is uh, he was really, really close to pi. Oh yeah, he yeah, that's true. And his, and he proved that he, that this algorithm could get arbitrarily close to pi. Yeah, by mm-hmm. inscribing a circle in, in inscribing and outer scribing or whatever. Yeah, it's both inscribing. Yeah, and circ- No, no, he oh. didn't do circumscription. I know that was really close, no, but, but I pulled you, it you, off. You fit, you fit like an. <laughs> you do an n-gon, arbitrary yeah, size n-gon, n-gon inside on the a outside circle, and inside, and an n-gon outside the circle. And eventually, they and will the limit as n goes to infinity. Yeah. And okay, screw he, it. Let's just let's just talk about infinitesimals then. <laughs> go. You, you're the one who really wants to talk about it, so let's go. Well, Archimedes was able to show in that specific example that that uh, there. The difference between the two, the the perimeter of the inside gone, and gone, and the perimeter of the outside and gone, um, was bounded by something that goes to zero. So he was able to show that that if you took large enough values, you could get as close as you wanted to accurately describing the uh, uh, and they use that method the air, to the like the length around. Yeah, but no, but he was the only one to ever prove that it could that it the limit actually. I mean, he had this concept of limits where where no, I'm just saying he could his, get his, as close as he needed. He just would he, need a lot of time. He invented the only method that was used up until the 1500s. Yeah, yeah, it didn't come back to into existence until Leibniz or or something or who. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, Leibniz and Newton, they both Newton never did limits. Oh, okay. Newton That's... just had a vague idea of infinitesimals, infinitesimals. that was actually accurate. 
um, and it worked. And now they've formalized it, and they can do things the way Newton did mat- with mathematical rigor. Mm. Uh, but I'm not fucking hate Newton. Okay, so I don't think let's let's actually talk about this method though and the method that he used I and mean, we've described it a little bit it was the first it's actually the method of mechanical theorems is the title okay sure okay yeah uh the <laughs> no, but I it was it. it was refound in the most interesting way and it, it wasn't wasn't refound it was written in the third century bce uh, this copy was made in the 10th century uh, A.C.E., but it wasn't actually uh, refound until what 98 it says. I think if first 19, in 90, 1998, 1998, oh. and it wasn't actually completely finished until 2008. Hmm. This this was a, a palimpsest that a monk apparently had written, except. It got scratched over and various other things until it wasn't really readable at all, mm. um, which was a bit of an issue. This uh, this copy was found, I think it says, eight in the 1840s. Uh, Jonan Heiberg realized uh, in 1906 that the text was Archimedes and included lost works, but it wasn't readable. Let's just mm. say that it wasn't it wasn't readable, and they had to they had to find they had to use a UV infrared visible raking and X ray light mm. <laughs> in order to do this. And it was it was an amazing amazing group of work. I'll put up a, that means that means that uh, I'll put up pictures of it. But it was actually it was it was a prayer book. Somebody had written prayers over top over, yeah. and so i mean essentially think of think of when you have a when you have a notebook and you know you're and you're writing on the top page of the notebook and then you rip that page off now there is a way that somebody who comes after can still get what you wrote and that you take a pencil and Scrunchy lightly right. lightly scrape over it's the same way that you you know can do scrapings or what are they called they called scrapings when you you know put a piece of paper and you scratch a pencil. Indiana Jones it. styles, yeah, like Lost Ark. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. or you, when you go to the say the Vietnam Memorial mm-hmm. and you're you're getting the name of your oh, oh, relative, yeah. and so you want to well, show. That's how they do all the carbon prints. They used to use yeah. all the pink slips and yellows. That's the exact same way they did it. Yeah, and and so think of using that method, but with light. And that is essentially what they did. There's fascinating pictures of the x-rays. And it, it looks... I'll actually show them to you right now. It looks... The one on the bottom there? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It looks like one of those things where there's black all around um, where there's yeah. no writing and then white where there is writing. And so they essentially used the same methods but applied it using light instead of pencil. That is that is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, just, I just think that that's awesome. Yeah, no, that, that is that is 
I mean, it's it's I'm a much, damn I, good thing they didn't find that 30 years ago because they would have been like, well, shit. No, they I did. Guess. It was it was first it was found 100. to have Archimedes stuff in the 1800s. Oh, but yeah. they weren't able to actually. So they preserved it. They didn't just they didn't just well, like could, well, let's see what we can get out of it, and if we destroy some, you know, oh, they well. probably did destroy some. Yeah, I don't I don't know the whole story. I didn't read yeah. the entire article. Okay, well. Uh, so back to the infinitesimal's idea. He uh, he used it to do the same sorts of things that the people who eventually created what we know as the calculus used calculus for. Right. He area, calculated area under curves. Yeah. Using, area of the parabola. Using Riemann integration. Volume of the sphere. <laughs> surface area of the sphere. Curvilinear shapes. And then that's what he did. And. It's. I mean, it was yeah. amazing that back then. That's why I don't think that there can be much argument over him being better than everyone else at the time. Yeah, no, like he was yeah. clearly superior to Newton or Leibniz. Um, like I'm I, sorry, I don't. No, I don't necessarily agree with that because he did not f- formalize it and figure it out to the same point that they did. I don't. I don't. He might say, have, and he I got killed early. I don't necessarily think I mean, saying that he's better. Saying that he's better than everyone at the time, I don't think that you can well, compare okay. across that long yeah, of a period it, it of time. Is, it is, it is a because little then bit that would, ridiculous. That would just be saying, I mean, because we, we've had some amazing mathematicians in recent time. Uh, you have mm-hmm. Paul Erdush, uh, Andrew Weil, you know, people like that. But you're essentially saying that they can never be as good as anyone back then. That's just because they're not dead yet. People become much better. No, no, but but with this argument, Archimedes (laughs) would be the best mathematician of all time because he did this stuff way back then. I I think that you have to put people in the same in their frame. Well, in their historical. I mean, there's there there was definitely, but it's the putting him in his historical frame that made me say that because he had so much less to work with and still proved almost as much. You know, or proved a significant part and proved it formally, not just, you know... Well, Leibniz, Leibniz used formal proof. But, <laughs> I, I mean, he had to invent how to prove them um, and, and, and publish books explaining how the proofs work and then use them and things like... You know what I'm saying? Like, that, he well, didn't just... have any, anybody to stand on top of. He just had to, he had to completely go in blind and invent this whole field. Yeah, I, I, think, I is, think that that is amazing. But in some ways, I feel that that can be easier. I, I mean, yeah, when going it, in it when nothing's be, been done. Yeah, when nothing's been done, whenever you come up with anything... It's new. It's new, and it's fantastic, and it's amazing, and you can get addicted to that discovery aspect of it whereas i mean I, why, we've talked about now uh but it's why even, graph theory is so popular now because uh, yeah, there's I, just so much you can prove <laughs> hey i'm the one who told you that <laughs> no no salahi to- to- talked about it in uh in topology i mean he talked I don't about think that was while i was still in there was it maybe not i think it may have been topology he talked too. about how and yeah and he talked about he talked about how like he likes to do it because uh there's there's a lot of there's a lot of yeah. fun things to work on that haven't been worked on before. Yeah, and, well, and, that's one reason I enjoy doing graph theory. It it is very true. You get yeah. to do the elementary things, and I, and well, I mean, some of them think require the very of, tricky, you know, cool cool modes of thinking. But 
But since it's so new, nobody knows what's important and what's what's yeah, going yeah. to change the world and what's going to be and, forgotten. And in I two think years. I think when you put in the uh, well, I do uh, the work that I've done in graph theory will be forgotten. In two yeah, years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, yeah. But yeah. When, when you <laughs> put people build a big statue of you <laughs> all along the base, all your proofs. I, when you put when you put people into their historical frame of reference, though, when you when you have say Archimedes, nobody knew what was going to be important. I mean, he was trying to work on things that had application. Mm-hmm. I mean, in general, volume and things like that. Volume and area are important when you're building things. Now, except nobody was there to tell him what's important. The thing that I find amazing about Leibniz, and admittedly, as much as it hurts, about Newton, is that. They were being told what was important. They were and being they still told solved what the problem, what they should be studying, and they, they came up with something completely that. new. Yeah, and they went outside of what everyone was telling them was important, what they should be studying. Mm-hmm. And while some of it was because, of it, especially from Newton, because it, you know studying the planets and everything, and that was one of the big reasons he came up with what he did. Um, but still, I mean, being able to go against what you're being told is important, I feel is also a very strong measure of someone's capabilities. Nowadays, they don't say, this is an important problem, try and work on it. They say, here's something that might be solvable. (laughs) (laughs) Who cares about its importance? If if it's sufficiently difficult and potentially solvable, give it a go. That's because (laughs) in a lot of areas... Uh, other than you know the major unsolved problems, which we all know, mm-hmm. there there isn't that much important. Well, there's nothing you can say that is important until it's been applied. Type yeah. thing. And other but, than those huge ones, like but the Riemann hypothesis. Yeah, but I mean, there mm-hmm. are at least in history there have been obviously important problems. Finding out the volume of a cylinder is an obviously important problem. Mm-hmm. Figuring yeah. out a way of expressing that is obviously important. You know, later on, there's uh, all the trajectory stuff. Obviously important problems. There aren't too many of those left anymore in mathematics that are both obviously right. important and solvable by a person in yeah. a short period I mean, of time. There's, there's still some obviously important Whoa. problems in physics, um, yeah, but but they're obviously important in that. their model. You know what I'm saying? If it's obviously important in the in the gen, like Newtonian physics, it's been mm-hmm. solved. The only obviously important things left are are model specific. You know, this is a problem in quantum that hasn't been solved yet. This is a problem in you know what I'm saying? Oh. And so it it takes away a little bit from its purity. And the obviously important unsolved math problems have been obviously important and unsolved for. Hundreds most of years. most of them like two yeah. or three hundred years at yeah. this point. Like the twin the only primes have been around. Twin since. primes conjecture. <laughs> uh, the Riemann's last theorem. Well, Fermat is solved. Well, okay, it's solved now. Juan uh, Carré has wonderful. been solved. Yeah. Uh, right, but that one hadn't been around for hundreds of years. No, but I mean, but it had been around a long time, and they knew it was important before it was solved. So mm. high five to. Whatever that guy's Perlman, no Perlman, 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 something like that. Yeah, Perlman. Um, and the only one I think of that is truly new is P versus NP. P, that is oh, that is a very young problem. Um, well, no, no, mass, I guess and, one of the mm. differential ones too. The 
there's also the, there's some sort of a generalization of the four color theorem that showed up in, in graph theory recently. Um, and, yeah. and that one is less known than, than P versus NP, but, but, uh, probably important. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I think the problem with saying that a pro a problem is obviously useful and solvable by one person at the same time is the problem is if somebody could have solved it, they've already solved it. Generally, the problem. Well, no, no, it's not not by one person. I don't care if it's by one person. Of time. It's the it's the short period of time thing. I mean, it seems most of these mm. problems are lifetime struggles. Mm. And there's people who work well, on a lot of these problems for a lifetime and get nada. Yeah. But I think the problem there is you have a, you're getting fed the questions by somebody else. And the Well, I mean, trying to come up with new questions is also important. But when you've had so much proved, it's very hard to formula, formulate a question that hasn't been asked. In mathematics these days, it's, very, it's not like with Archimedes where there was the entire discipline hadn't yeah, been asked. I mean, it's not half, like Archimedes. Of, half of what you could look at, uh, you could have a fun time trying to calculate the volume of. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's, it's um, not, it's, I mean, but I mean, it's not, it's not even, well, it's not even not like Archimedes. It's not like, fuck, when we could go, uh, well, somebody, it's thinking, not like Riemann. And Riemann's what, 250 years ago? Well, I'm thinking, we're just starting to sound a lot like turn of the century physicists but i think that you know, no, there, there could done. there could be new areas that are that will have all kinds of stuff like my area graph theory is great but i'm talking you know your basic mathematics the things that everybody think of thinks of as mathematics yeah oh, which is whoa. usually number theory or no, calculus number theory calculus but you algebra don't, you don't study mm. calculus you study analysis or something yeah. which is but uh, but for most people think of that as calculus well yeah no no that's that's an entirely workable way yeah. of doing it but that, you but good luck but you have to you do <laughs> well, have to think Archimedes, you know you do have to think of a new subject as well if yeah. you're going to do that yeah and that might be a harder question than finding an unsolved question yeah archimedes, or an unasked question archimedes problem was which of these clearly important problems should i work on next not not uh where can i find a good problem to yeah. work on um i kind of wish that i had his problem yeah <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> but yeah i mean i'm sure that's something that we all think and on on that on that note, I think we're going to call this an episode. And so if you want to find some links to things, such as a uh, link to that comment argument that I am currently taking part in, or pictures of the uh, light-scanned uh, palm set. What is it? I can never... I can never... Palimpset. Palimpset. I not pronounce that word ever I, you can I, go this is name. the first time i've heard it so really i've, uh, I've seen it quite often i've seen it i never use it i, I always want to I've, use I've it i've definitely <laughs> never attempted to pronounce it Balancent. so uh, yeah I've, I, I read the word but i never try to say it and you can see things like that at combinations and permutations.blogspot.com once again i think you should check out our new podcast at Strongly Connected... Com or no, 
It's not strongly It's called strongly connected components, and it's at sccmathpodcast.blogspot.com if you want to email us and uh, actually tell Nathan that he's a decent human being because me and Anthony don't think he is. You can email us at combinations and permutations at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening.